welcome to The Rebuild. My name is Peter Moses. I am in Los Angeles, and today we have a very special guest for you. He is the president and founder of The Rebuild. His name is Jordan Zerm. You can check him out on The Checkdown for NFL, where he is the meme daddy. That's probably not his actual technical title, now that I think about it. But hey, maybe he'll tell me differently. Excited, we get into an awesome conversation. He's got some hot Browns takes, and uh, basically it's just good to hear his voice, guys. You know, we all missed him. I missed him. He's my podcast father who went out for a pack of cigarettes and uh, never came back. I do have one review to read because, as always, on this iteration of The Rebuild, if you leave a five-star review, I will read anything that you say. Um, This one was by Hollywood Bucks 2799. Five stars. Title is Refreshingly Different and Brutally Honest Browns Takes. These guys are great when providing unique, different, brutally honest, and hilarious takes on the latest Browns news. Highly encourage adding them to your Browns list of podcasts, especially if you're tired of the local Cleveland media's negative takes and lack of perspective. Thank you so much, Hollywood Bucks 2799. A very timely review because that's some of the stuff that you'll hear Jordan and I talk about in this pod. So why should I delay your enjoyment of the sultry tones of Jordan Zerm? Here we go. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to tell you about Bet Online. March has arrived, and we are only a few weeks away from the big tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 in March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, and whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends at betonline.ag to take advantage of the best bonus in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, back to the show. All right, I am here today with... I don't want to call you the pod father. That's so overused. I'd say the, uh, <laughs> the, the the rabbi of this feed, the rabbi of the rebuild. Wow. There it is. I knew it would come wow. to me. That's beautiful. That Jordan beautiful. Zerm, welcome back. Welcome home, man. Wow. You know, it feels good. It's like it's like walking in the door of your childhood home. You know, it's it's what it feels like. So thank you for, um, you know, you moved in. Maybe you moved a little bit of furniture around. But thank you for like saving my favorite yeah. chair and allowing me to come Knock sit down the wall it. for sure. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you know, you need to be able to see the TV from the kitchen, Listen, and I, I get it. I, I don't. I want to just put all of the, uh, the 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 Twitter people to rest now. There is no rivalry between us at all. All right, it's uh, there's it's truly just a it. deep love. It's it really is. what it's it a is. Friendship that goes unacceptably longer than any of you could possibly actually think <laughs> when listening to this podcast. You can't even fathom. Um, it. Listen, man, you've been uh, hiding in a, a Los Angeles cave for. Yes. At least nine months now. I mean, do you care to give to the world in an audible form your summation of what the hell we all just lived through last season? Or do you want to just get right to the coaches? I mean, this is your platform, um, man. Yeah, we yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was um well, first of all, it was it's a weird it was the weirdest season of football for me because 
Um, I was, you know, I, every Sunday I was essentially just watching all NFL games at one time as we, you know, were looking for stuff socially to post and all of that stuff. So like it was a very different, like super weird and different experience of watching the Browns where I couldn't really fully like pay attention to their games in the obsessive way that I'm, uh, that I'm used to watching, um, you know, constant misery. So I guess like (laughs) if there was a positive of, um, how disappointing the season was, it was that I, I didn't have as much time as I usually do to just like sit and just like, that was nice. Yeah. You were were too (laughs) busy to really suffer. Oh no. When I feel like you work at the check down and you're watching all the games, I imagine you like one of those, uh, uh, bald women in that Tom Cruise movie where like they're just like learning everything. Minority Report. <laughs> yeah, just, there like, you go. Like taking um, it all in, like plugging in to basically Andrew Siciliano and just like typing away like a crazy person. Yeah, that's what it that's essentially what it was. It was a lot. It was a very um, it's like being in a it was just like sensory overload, like we're in a room and all the lights are off, but there's like 30 TVs. So you're just like being blasted by football from every direction and grabbing highlights and all this stuff. So um, but yeah, I mean, I I think the biggest thing was that, um, you know, I was very pro Freddy Kitchens, pro the hire of Freddy Kitchens. But I think what this goes to show is that it's really hard to know the inner workings of a coaching staff unless you're in the building. Um, I think we all thought that that Freddie Kitchens, at least then, I mean, I think I thought this, I think other people did too, just from articles that were written and people that I talked to was that like, not only did Freddie Kitchens have a good relationship with Baker, which I thought was important, but also I pretty much gave him most of the credit, if not all of the credit for their sort of offensive um renaissance that they had in the eight games or whatever it was that he took over as a play caller and i think there in fact i probably know and i think other people know there was more going on behind the scenes with other members of the staff um that were probably more involved than some of us knew uh, or really had any idea about um and it's sort of something you dismiss at first like you know they were talking about oh ken zampezi the quarterback coach wasn't retained and everybody was like okay whatever it's a quarterback coach like how much impact does he actually turns have turns out a lot and then it turns out uh maybe he had a lot and maybe he uh was a better option than um the first year had never coached uh, ryan lindley uh, coming in and working so Um, It's little things like that that I think we probably one didn't know about and then two sort of dismissed. Um, And then, you know, you started you heard a little bit about it um, as the season went on. And then you sort of heard comments from I thought Jarvis Landry had some really telling comments as he was making the media rounds during the Super Bowl week about um, about Freddie and just how he just wasn't equipped to coach a team and probably should never have been in that position. And so it's. You know, I think I'm I'm just now thinking about how much has happened. Like not only did Freddie go, but then John Dorsey went. So it's just like so much went on. But it's like, you know, to I don't think it's Freddie's fault necessarily that he failed as a coach. Um, And I think a lot of it, it's crazy that John Dorsey was working in that organization and saw the inner workings of how everything went, you would think, and still decided that. 
Freddie Kitchens was ready for this type of job when he clearly wasn't. So I think it just kind of goes back to like that was a colossal mistake. And for us on the outside, you know, we only have so much information and we can only kind of go off of what we watched on Sundays. Um, but it's very clear that especially for an offense and for a developing quarterback, that there are a lot of different people involved with that sort of success. Um and we sort of saw what happens when you lose some of those people. And then Freddie Kitchens had to turn his attention to the entire team and et cetera. So, I mean, just like incredibly disappointing. But I will finish this way too long monologue that I just had here by saying that um, I do think that there is reason to like be optimistic because I I do think that they have a lot of pieces in place. And I think a sort of better structured coaching staff, which is hopefully what we'll see, um, is going to be able to sort of just retool things a little bit. And they should hopefully look like a completely different Listen, team. Man, that was not long at all. You've had this pent in for nine months. <laughs> yeah. Only, can you tell only, only, been deep, listen, in, you deep just, inside? You just let it flow, man. This is just going to be like an in treatment on HBO. You just need you grab, the, <laughs> you grab the wheel whenever you need it. I mean, I've been thinking about Thanks, what happened in terms of like, because like we all believed in Freddie kitchen so much and anyone in the national media, like, like everyone was drinking the Kool-Aid, every single person we all were. And I've been trying to think of an analogy of what it's kind of like. And the closest I can get to is like, have you ever seen the music man? You know, the music man. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I've ever actually right, well, seen the premise it. of the music man is like, there's this con artist who just like convinces goes like town to town and like convinces people to like buy like musical instruments for a big show. And he like cons a whole city. Like everyone gets conned by like this one guy. And I feel like Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey like accidentally conned everyone. Like they didn't even know <laughs> that they were doing it together, but like everyone was bought in. I mean, we were on the cover of sports illustrated like, yeah. I mean, it was everywhere. So you can't, like, blame. I feel like trying to assign blame or trying to kind of, like, make, dis like, grand generalizations about people afterwards is, like, no, we all just got hosed. Like, every, like, it was so bad, Dorsey had to get fired. There wasn't, and we all knew it. I mean, like, yeah, it was really, it was really brutal. It really was, like, a different yeah. way that I never thought we would all kind of just get, like, yeah, it was <laughs> I mean, I think like it was, you know, like the summed up and just like they they just wouldn't throw the ball to Odell in the red zone like ever. They just refused to do it. And you're just sitting there every week and you're like, this is the week that they throw the ball to the maybe one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in the red zone. And then they just wouldn't do it. And you were like, well, something is wrong. It did <laughs> like feel something... like the Browns offense was being like played by like someone who plays Madden like just to be contrarian. <laughs> Yes. Or it was just like, I am going, they all think I'm going to throw to Odell. So every time I'm not going to You're, ever do yeah. it. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe do it once. I don't know. Maybe Here's try really once. Fake them out. And then is what if we just run <laughs> Dontrell Hilliard and leave Chubb and Hunt on the bench? Huh? You know, it's, uh, this is, um, this is incredible. That reminds me of, I literally was sitting, um, I was sitting at a table on the NFL network slash digital campus where I work and a security guard walks up to me. Um, and it started as a, it was the day of, um, I guess this was yesterday. Yeah, this was yesterday. I don't know why this feels like a billion years ago, but, uh, so it was the day of, uh, they had the memorial service for Kobe and 
he comes up to me and he's like, hey, I'm just today I'm walking around asking everybody for their favorite, like top three Kobe moments. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not really like I'm from the other side of the country. Kobe's not really like I wasn't a Lakers fan, so I don't really that's not really my thing. And he's like, oh, where are you from? I was like, oh, I'm from Cleveland. And he because, of course, like anybody that works in this NFL building, apparently just knows everything about the NFL. He was just like, oh, what do you think about like Freddie Kitchens getting fired? And I was like, oh, wow. Um, but he goes, man, you know what? Actually, I remember when they called a draw on fourth and nine against the Rams like this man <laughs> remembered that play. This man I had never met before in my life, just like a random security guard, just like walking around, making the rounds. And that was the first thing that came to his mind. And I was like, that is such a representation of how that season went. It was like, that's immediately where I his mean, mind that was. To. There was like three examples of that in every game. And that was such a painful one that I had even just put out of my mind. I can't believe. Yeah, he brought it. He brought it back. He brought those memories right back. There's just moments. Um, so shout out just, to that guy. Also, anytime you watch the Browns, for me, that that moment was the first quarter against San Francisco on Monday night. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, All right. Well, these people are playing very different games in terms of the pre the preparation and planning of what's happening on this field. Yeah, that was um, that combined with then Nick Bosa doing the planting of the flag. It was really just it. it it hurt all around deeply. And that's when you were like, I mean, listen, the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, they were an incredible team. But th the inability of the Browns to do like anything in that game, you're like, well, maybe they're not. Maybe there's going to be some issues. So it was rough. Um, yeah, man, it was it was the most hyped I've been for a season. And then equaled in disappointment, which rarely happens because you, there, you rarely have especially over the years as the more Brown seasons you've watched, you rarely go. I rarely go into a season now with like feeling as hyped and optimistic as I did uh, going into this season. And there was like plenty of reason for it. And then it just really was just like, oh, this this isn't working whatsoever. And they're going to have more changes. And uh, here I we do are. feel like this season prepared me, though, for this off season so far, because I actually really like the Stefanski hire, I like Di Podesta. I, I mean, I like that Andrew Barry and Kyle Stefanski just like like each other. I think that's they're like bro I mean, they're bros. Listen, <laughs> anything's a step up from Ray Farmer and Mike Patton. Like, <laughs> it's a good idea if just, just the GM like and wouldn't the coach, speak like, genuinely just would like to work together. Yeah, that seems like a um, it seems like it should be the bare minimum. Um but uh, I saw a tweet today, and I'm going to forget who it was, but somebody who was at the Combine that said while Kevin Stefanski was up doing his interview at the podium that Andrew Barry was just like smiling and nodding in the back. And I was like, you know what? I know this means nothing, but this is the type of content that I want. This is what I need. I need these anecdotes. Just like two handsome dudes in a buddy comedy bringing us victories. Yeah, man. Just like having light beers and hanging out, you know? Someone's got to do it stress-free in Berea because I don't know who else it could be. I mean... Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm excited about all of it, but I'm just not going to get hurt again, too. I feel like after last year, like I'm just like there, I'm I will not be upset. I will not let this team make me upset right now. And I don't understand <laughs> how like I, I know I shouldn't be excited. That's what I've learned. But I also know like there's equally no reason to be upset about something that none of us know. The whole world agreed yeah. last year that Freddie Kitchens was sweet. So you can't all be like, 
this is going to suck because he's not Josh McDaniels. Just uh, how uh, the time space continuum works is it just hasn't fucking happened yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've sort of got to a point and I thought it was, I thought that um, like when Stefanski was hired and he had his press conference and then there was just like, you know, usually after a press conference, even if it's like somebody that's been there a year and they get fired, they have to hire somebody else. Like, there's some buzz or there's some talk about it. And it was just and I think this is probably half because people are just like, I don't care anymore. Like my there's we have so little control over who they hire. Obviously, we have no control over it. Like this is who they hired. This is what the season's going to be. It's whatever. I'm so beaten down. But it was also like, I think partially a good thing was that it's fancy. You just kind of had the presser. It was like, all right, we got to roll we, like the combines coming up, the drafts coming up. And it was just very like matter of fact and it kind of just like happened and then uh, people moved on from it. And I think that was good in a sense because it was just like there was no fanfare about it. There was no and that's obviously people are, yeah, like just beaten down by it and don't care. And I think I feel a little bit of that where it's like, yeah, I can't like, yeah, I like the hire, but like I've liked other hires. And like you said, everybody was pretty much it was a consensus that Freddie was the right pick at that time. And like you're just being so wrong and knowing so little it's just it's so hard man it's so hard to understand like I like Kevin Stefanski's offensive philosophy I think he's going to be freed up from having to run the ball as much as they did in Minnesota because uh, Mike Zimmer is a crazy person uh and I like I'm always going to lean towards the side of being pro people who uh, are like open to analytics and open to like being progressive and using different ways to like acquire information. Like I'm always going to be for that. So I think Andrew Barry is a really smart dude. Um, and yeah, so you hope that this is all going to work in concert. And I, I just like at the very bare minimum of all of this, ever since Jimmy Haslam has, uh, you know, purchased the team, it's just like, he's just been, People have not fit with each other from the front office to the coaching staff to all of it. There have been breaks in philosophies, breaks in personalities, like all this stuff. And it's just like for for one time, if you can get the smallest thing right, just get people who aren't going to be in there trying to make a power play and trying to take over different parts of the organization and force how they view players and their thoughts on football onto somebody else. Like I have no idea how they ever thought it, it's just truly amazing that like it got to this point when Haslam was like, you know what? Maybe this time I should get people who agree on stuff. <laughs> like it's just I mean, like, <laughs> ah, yeah, man. Seven years later, well, that's good. Yeah, good for you. Really, just not, not sharp to the whip. That guy. That's what I'll say. I, uh, <laughs> just I, yeah. I mean, not great. Listen, I think the only thing that could have satisfied me to not be acting crazier right now or more pessimistic is that we just have a meticulous handsome robot as our coach who seems like he just wants to uh meticulously coach football and every time someone says analytics and you're like and anyone out there is like ah, rolls their eyes just replace the word analytics with homework analytics is just yes. fucking homework you know who's like good at, at like stuff when you were like in class the kids who did the homework like why like yeah don't like they're not gonna i don't think Stefanski is going to be going to see the movies the Friday before a game and a Pittsburgh started at shirt. I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> oh, we, oh man, another, yeah, really you could do a 30 for 30 on this entire season. That was a, what an incredible moment that was. Um, yeah, Stefanski's facial hair is impeccable. Um, and I think that is going to, I think that's worth at least one win, if not two. So I think we can, 
just check off two wins for the facial Stefanski hair alone. looks like every um, model in a men's warehouse commercial. Like 100%. He was, he's in an old men's right. warehouse it's commercial. Like, it's There's very no like 2003 men's warehouse, like, <laughs> like getting a homecoming suit there. Yeah. It's like, he's a good looking dude, but he also just looks like he never, like he only has, but he also has one facial expression, yes. you know? So like, he doesn't really have yes. a range. He just, it's like he looks good in that face, but hey, man, um, like, are you happy? He are might as well upset? have like his face painted on a Lego character, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really good. He is um, he is a Lego character that once appeared in yes. a men's warehouse commercial. We've we've gotten to. Yes, the bottom we've of gotten it. to the, the center of the maze now. Everyone can stop podcasting. <laughs> we have solved. Yeah, that's Stefanski it. That's it for us. Mystery. Listen, I'm. Y'all, he can also fix quarterbacks, and I'll be damned if I don't want to support the only good quarterback we've ever had, basically in yours and mine's like football lifetime. Uh, Baker's had a rough. Uh, is that a rough? Maybe eight, <laughs> eight, ten months or so. Hasn't been so good. Uh, been yeah, a rough go of it for for old Bake. Listen, for if old we can stick with this franchise that just does nothing but uh, wait till we're sleeping and rip our heart out and chop it up and do a million pieces. <laughs> Like we should probably try to give Baker Mayfield like, you know, a, a coach who knows what he's doing like once. Yeah, I uh, that would be good. Um, yeah, I think um, I think the downside of another downside of Freddie Kitchens to add to the many um, was that it seemed like his 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 relationship with Baker was pretty buddy buddy and was not like coach player. I'm going to, we need you to get better and fix your footwork and do all this type of stuff like that. Uh, that uh, apparently was not the relationship they had. So yeah, I think Baker also brought some of it on himself. And I think he like uncharacteristically tried to make like way too much happen and got out of like what he was as a rookie. So um yeah man it's a big third year for baker because if he struggles again um then you kind of have to start asking the quarterback question again and i just would love not to have to do that anymore so um i'm hoping that yeah with stefanski and alex van pelt the quarterback coach slash maybe offensive coordinator who has already talked about fixing Baker's footwork, which I think is like a huge deal that like that was he's already like talking about what he wants to and do footwork wise. So bad that something... he like talked about it in the media. Yeah. Like it wasn't those. Yeah, it wasn't he was like, like hey, Sage first Rosenfeld thing being like, all right, let me take you really. Let me break it down for you. It's like, hey, so <laughs> I could see this yeah. from the other side of the state that he was lying. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. There's so many people who are professional. And this guy comes in and is like, oh, yeah, he was his feet were facing the wrong way the whole time. I know. I know. What? It's like what are you um, talking about? Two, no one uh, catches that. Yeah, and then nobody saw it. Nobody's worried about it. It's like when um, <laughs> do you remember when the Browns were on hot uh, hot oh, knocks? Yeah, I don't know. I just went to a Boston oh, accent yeah. for hard. Yeah, hot you knocks. know hot knocks. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what happened there. I I blacked out. I apologize. I'm back. Uh, there's a scene where Nate Orchard, who is no longer on the Browns, actually, I don't even think he he might have gotten cut at the end of that training camp. Um, but there's a scene where he comes up to Miles Garrett. And Miles Garrett is like, hey, man, have you ever tried like changing your stance every yes, once in a I while? Totally and Nate Orchard and Nate Orchard, who's like a five year veteran, was like, no, and you're just like, what? <laughs> like, like, how did no coach 
ever and miles is like yeah you're it's like you're gonna be predictable if you're just like they're gonna know exactly what you're doing he's like oh wow and i was just like blown away that nobody on the coaching staff had like talked to him about this and miles here for two years and he's like yo um i just do some different stuff so it's yeah like the there was no um baker's development sort of just stopped after his rookie year like he was on an upward trajectory and then i feel like he got worse got some bad habits but that came back from his time in oklahoma and the coaching staff didn't like know what to do um and and just kind of was like well we'll try again next week maybe it'll it be better out uh, so yeah i hugh and freddie they just really <laughs> weren't guys who like pl- like could stick to plans like they just got no, couldn't handle no. their shit. That's a great and, point. Like they would get too revved up and too into the game and just like couldn't stick to like the play chart. And it turns out the only time the Browns actually looked good was when Greg Williams was just like, okay, why don't we make a plan and then do the plan and everyone can be on the <laughs> same page. And like, that's the only consistency they've ever had with someone who can do that. So, yeah, I mean, the bar is low, but like all Stefanski has to do is just like come up with a plan and act the plan and help people know what the plan is. Like I, that's it. That's the, that's the whole thing. Yeah, it, uh, it really is like, sometimes it feels just like it, like it's so simple and you just like people being on the same page. And like you said, like having a plan and being like Baker, this is how, you know, we want you to hit these benchmarks. Like we want to work with you on, on these things and like limit your interceptions and sort of, yeah like and there just hasn't been that and um it's crazy and so yeah i mean i'm i'm optimistic that uh, the people they have in place will have a plan um and have a philosophy that was the other thing last year they browns had no idea what they were doing offensively like they just were like throwing stuff against the wall and being like well let's do this and this and you heard multiple players being like we had no idea what our identity was on offense like you can't you cannot have that. I think we throw so, around no I, idea as like can be very hyperbolic, but they really did look yeah. like on television. They had no idea what was going on. 100%. Um, especially when they would get down and they had to, yeah, like there was, you know, the stat like Baker on the first 15 scripted plays and like coming out like first quarter and then out of halftime when a, a, a brief plan was put in place, he was great. And then when they had to go off script, yeah, they were just like, oh, we don't know we didn't plan any anything more than this so we have no idea what we're doing so um that's why i feel at least somewhat good about um yeah this new coaching staff because i don't think it's huge changes that they have to make i just think it's like these small things that somehow this past coaching staff was not paying attention to and not putting enough thought or detail into so i i do have optimism there because i do think the changes are small but you know, it's the Browns. So you so who knows? And, you know, all these plans go out the window, it seems every time a season starts. So we will see. We will see. And I mean. I OK, we just have to like Baker uh, today. Um, uh, <laughs> had a, not not by any of his own doing a lot, a lot of self-imposed. No bad looks from Baker in the short span of this offseason, which is not encouraging. But nonetheless, we 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 persist. Uh yeah, Baker today was uh, called out by uh, Tony Grossi um, as being a, uh, was it the little fucking midget? I think that's what it was. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that was yeah. the quote. So that happened today, and uh, Mr. Grossi was subsequently 
suspended from his job. I mean, if you don't know that and you're listening to this podcast, um, just hit us up and leave us a five star review and be like, here's why I didn't know about this. <laughs> like, because like, yeah. congratulations, like you are you have escaped the bubble. Um, yeah, you have absolutely escaped the one thing that was talked about in Cleveland. Yeah, and I mean, today. listen, I know this is like a very niche conversation, but you yeah. like were in Cleveland for a long time. You were on KNR. You now live uh, all the may all the way over in my neck of the woods in Los Angeles. Although we live on opposite sides of the city, so you might as well still live in Cleveland. Yeah, I was gonna say, which um, I've come to learn. Yeah, that it does feel like you could you could be in Texas. Yeah, I mean, legit. The last time we saw thing, each other was in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> it was. Yeah, this is very it was true. crazy when I was in Miami for the Super Bowl. How many people I also met from the west side of LA, and I was like, oh man, it's so nice to connect with you because I'll never see you again. Because <laughs> I'll literally yeah. never drive over nice there life. too far. Um, yeah. No, it's like I mean, I, it does feel like. I don't know how to like say this properly, but it does feel like at least specifically for the Browns. And then you could talk about whatever you feel like about your experience in radio. It's like the people covering the Browns and Cleveland media in general have just kind of been like broken. And to do it for so long at such a close, like up close place has to mess with your psyche. Or at least I imagine that it does. It does as a fan. But what was your... I don't know, reaction to grossy if you if you care or if you just don't care. And um, yeah, I don't know, man. What's your thought about? I don't know, man. Why'd you leave Cleveland, Jordan? Why'd you leave everyone behind? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, I guess I can start with the grossy thing. So, you know, yeah, I was at KNR for a year and a half. Um, and like grossy was a perfectly kind person to me. And like I said this like in a in a or no this was in a text to a friend like it's no small thing when you when you get somewhere um and a person that and you know I was basically a part time there I wasn't a full time employee so like I wasn't there all the time um you know I didn't work with him personally a ton I um produced a bunch of shows that he was a guest on and stuff so we interacted a fair amount and like it's no small thing for somebody like that to somebody on you know Grossy's sort of level i guess you can say i would put that in quotation marks but um to like remember my name you know like uh, after a couple times of meeting him like i've you know i've been places where people high up don't care about the very small people or people just starting out or new people or whatever so like you know personally as a guy he seems fine um i just think that like i think what happened with him today is more just sort of like symptomatic of what happens and this this probably exists in other similar size market to cleveland but obviously you know you and i and um you know that's where my experience is so i I can talk about it from a a place of knowing it's just like whether it's grossy or whether it's other people that have just been in the positions that they're in for a really long time like they've just been at a certain space and occupying a certain job in cleveland media for sports media for a very long time and i think you get you get sort of comfortable there and you sort of realize especially like grossy's been doing this for for forever like his entire probably life. longer um, than we've been alive i can't I, he probably 100 percent but i'm um, just gonna assume no i think you're right um and it's like so you don't really have any threat 
of anybody coming up that's going to take your job. Not only because you probably feel like, oh, I'm great at this. That would never happen. Like just because you probably have an ego, but also like management isn't going to be like, hey, we need some new blood or like whatever it is. And that just doesn't really seem like it. it's happening in Cleveland like at all. And so I think you get comfortable. Um, and when you get comfortable or when you feel sort of I don't want to say invincible, that's too strong. But when you feel sort of like you're not thinking about consequences uh, because there's a nobody directly vying for your job or you feel like, you know, management so well and you feel so comfortable in your spot. And I think sometimes you slip up because you don't have that fear of any of that stuff. And I think to me, like that's sort of what happened today was like to just sort of casually say that. And I don't I don't even I wouldn't care if the mics were on or off or if I was just like hanging out, having beers with friends like that's not just something you sort of casually say like that's a really bad look for someone that covers and also people. like clearly <laughs> like him and Baker hate each other. I mean, if you if you step back, yeah, a little like bit, it's you, you could hear it in his voice, they hate each other like, yes, um, and you could hear it in his voice like just there is just like this disgust in it. And it's like, why? <laughs> One why and two like as a reporter i mean i know he's i don't really know what he is he does radio stuff he writes stuff but it's like like as a reporter man you can't be like you can't have that opinion you you can have it you can't say it you know and you can't say it you're at the combine you're around other people it's just to to just kind of casually say it there uh, blows my mind um but i think too just like from my experience was whether it was at KNR, whether it was like meetings I had with people from other outlets um, in Cleveland, you just never really got the sense that there was going to be space for you to move up. Um, and when you're in these lower positions, you're not making very much money. And, you know, for someone like myself, too, who I got very spoiled with my first job when I was working for a, a magazine that was like national and was like interviewing athletes and getting to do all this stuff. Like there is a part of me where when you have to start at the bottom of the totem pole again in a place where you sort of feel like you have more ability and have more experience and have done things that other people have not. And yet, you know, there's just no space for you because people just hold these jobs and have held them for forever. Like it's very discouraging and it's super frustrating. And it's a probably 90% of the reason I had to move to Los Angeles because um, like I couldn't, the freelance life I was living was just not sustainable. And like, that is because I couldn't find a job in Cleveland sports media. And like, it's not just me. There's so many other people that I know that are in Cleveland and crazy talented um, and blogging or doing their own podcast or like whatever it is. Um, that would crush some of these roles where you're getting more resources and you can go cover the teams every day and you're credentialed to all this stuff. Like, you know, that's the frustration is that the access and the resources that you would have, you know, people are like, Oh, just start your own thing. And like, yes, you absolutely should. And it's easier than ever to get, uh, to kind of create an audience and stuff. And, um, that's what I've done. That's what you've done. Like that's what other people have done, but, that, but it really is, there can be a limit to that stuff. Um, and when you have resources and like a company behind you um, that would want to promote you and develop you and develop your talent. Um, and it just seems like it's not everybody, you know, not everybody in Cleveland Sports Media. There are obviously talented people working in it in some of those spots. But, yeah, there is a 
uh, a climb that seems impossible because of the sort of old guard of people that are just there and companies that don't really seem to have any interest in looking for newer, younger talent that maybe is a bit more well-versed in how to connect with an audience in 2020 and maybe has some skills that um, would translate way better. But I don't know, man. It's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's hard and it's frustrating. And I think, you know, I tweeted some of this stuff earlier today and I think you can see by the engagement with it that it kind of resonates with people. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know what you do. I don't think it's going to change. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, it's frustrating. There's limited opportunities, obviously, but, um, the, it doesn't feel like those opportunities, even the, the in a limited sense are like ever going to open up for people who are probably more talented and younger and would be probably better at those jobs. So I don't, well, I don't know what the answer like is. They're not, they're not boomers. So it's, <laughs> exactly you just got to become, become a boomer, a boomer just fake it and become you know, a boomer i mean it's so wild how many people are still around just from like our childhood like, it is man it's crazy some of these folks would i don't know just be different or have you're right there's like no that's why i was excited whenever you are on knr i mean the nice thing about living in another city is like you really get out of the cleveland radio bubble i will say that it's just yeah. easier to turn it off you can get sure. into it whenever you feel like it but like you're really not kind of inundated by it so i do feel like it is kind of this like i don't know self-eating snake or something where like all of these people have been there for so long and you're just there's no way you can't be that close to so much heartbreak and pain and anger and not have it kind of like <laughs> kind of like just perpetuate itself in some kind of like sadistic flywheel for sure so and to do no, that no for doubt. so long I, is definitely going to take your toll on toll on anyone. But like, you're right. It's just, there's no, it's, it's, it's frustrating because also I think radio in itself, you know, podcasting is slowly inching its way further and further into the relevance that radio has. And it's, uh, you know, there is not a lot of upward mobility. So listen, is Tony Grossi a bad dude? Probably not, but has he been doing it for a thousand years? And does he talk like your, like your crazy uncle? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, this, um, I'll be fascinated to see what happens. This was, uh, like there was levels of badness to that comment and like, it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens. And I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure how you come back from that in terms of like covering the Browns. So, uh, it's uh, it will be an interesting however long and what happens with his yeah, suspension and stuff. So I will be I will he be has fascinated. definitely gotten his fair share of chances or second chances. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I would like, say what? so. Yeah, man. No, I think uh, I, I think this podcast in itself should hopefully be emblematic of and what you know, you did starting it and hopefully at some point returning and just kind of like, you know, keeping your presence on following this team even after you left. I think resonates with people. I think it's, uh, you know, like it's just also we consume differently than people over 40. Like I'm just yeah. like checking in on the Twitters while I'm watching everything. Like I don't need to yeah. get in my car from three to four thirty and listen to the radio like I did even 10 years ago. No. And I don't even, you know, a lot of times what I was tuning into the radio for, for like Browns games specifically was like post game stuff where like 
they're going to the locker room and um, they're feeding the audio back to the studio. So you're listening to it because you wanted to hear what the players were saying and what the coach was saying. And now that stuff is just tweeted out immediately by reporters with video. So it's like, you know, they're even my like even my dad, who, you know, is from is that era of like, yeah, like the like newspapers and listening to the radio and all that stuff. And he still has like he's still reading the sports page and he's he'll still throw on like Jim Donovan and stuff. But like I'm watching a game with him and I look over and he's looking at Twitter at the same time that I'm looking at Twitter, you know, so it's like it's it's reached it's reached more people than just, yeah, like you and I and sort of millennials and all of that. Like it's, you know, once my dad and guys my dad's age like got the hang of Twitter now, like he gets a ton of his news from there. So, you know, and especially during Browns games, Cavs games, whatever, he's following he has a Twitter account and he follows the reporters and all that stuff. And he's getting a ton of information from there and having the second screen experience, just like all of us, you know, his sons are. So it's it really sort of bridged the gap. And I feel like unless you're like, yeah, like 70 and you just never had any interest and you didn't understand it. So you're never going to do it fine. But I do think like, you know, anybody kind of even 60s, 50s, whatever, like it's such an accessible thing that, yeah, it, there just isn't a ton of reason anymore. It's crazy, man. There's a really and, you know, the funny thing is, uh, this is a Blue Wire podcast. Um, full disclosure, I am Blue Wire. I am Peter Blue Wire. Um, you are. Yes, you are. Actually, you're like Dr. Manhattan right. Blue. You really committed. I do painted yourself pants, and, it, and I, I respect it. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, this I think that this a is a PG-13 move. podcast. All right. Yeah, we can't. Say, we I can't say fuck have once, that. but there's uh, there's never any frontal nudity on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it's I for mean, the best. We like the um, Kevin Jones, the founder and CEO of Blue Wire, uh, worked at the Cleveland Browns for a little bit, and he was um, working in San Francisco for a while, covering teams. And he really, you know, in a similar way to you, just kind of like has kept this following of people who are craving the content that clearly exists outside of the ways that it's being traditionally presented so i think you know blue wire has like three or four browns po- or cleveland based like brownish podcasts and like listen clevelanders like the numbers are pretty good i mean i don't like you know like people in cleveland like listening yeah, to podcasts I mean, about the browns they do like they're very like, i think there's just more like direct information i mean i don't have all of like radio and podcast numbers in front of me but I know that like people are engaged from this podcast. I mean, people are engaged from just the response to, I mean, I also am the same way. You live in another city. I consume an embarrassing number of Browns podcasts. Just yeah. how you get your, I think that's how you get your goods. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you have, um, yeah, like Cleveland loves sports, like people are super passionate about it, especially when it comes to the Browns. So it's like, the audience is always going to be there. And that's why I think it's frustrating that management or places um, and, and media outlets in the city don't want to take a chance on something new that they don't know, because it's like, look, man, if people are if they're good at it and they're talented and like they can connect with an audience, they're going to be you're going to be fine. In fact, you'll probably be be in a better place. Also, a like, lot of the old guard really taps into this Cleveland like. <sighs> like i mean politics aside like rush limbaugh like rage like so much of the old yes. guard is so angry and i feel like yep. at least one of the things that frankly you know the conversations that i have with gates and we try to laugh about is like figuring out how we can just like stand to talk about this team and like not have to like act that way like i feel like it is kind of yeah. like 
a poisoning of the water that's coming from the top of the hill where all the old guard sits and it kind of runs downstream and makes us all feel shitty because while it is terrible and sad and frustrating and feeling like life or death, those people who are doing post-game shows or weekly shows and are acting, I mean, frankly, fucking nuts is just like has an effect on how people think about it. And that's not to say that like you should or shouldn't react however you want, but like there is like a level of kind of like, especially I think when you're in Cleveland, when you're, it's so in your face that it kind of just, like I said, is like self-perpetuating. Yeah. And I think too, like, I, I very much agree with that. And I, I've never been a person that like, yeah, I don't like people yelling, people screaming, people getting super worked up, people having to have like some crazy take that they need to get off. Like I'm not, I've never been that person. I understand that like there's an audience for that and people for whatever reason from, you know, Skip Bayless to w- whenever that sort of took off, like it, it, people loved it. And so, you know, I know there's a, an audience for that, but at the same time, I think like People are going to be so like this Brown season, for example. Yes, like you're like super angry and you like you had all these hopes for. It. But I think people also just want to know why they want to know, like, why? OK, why are the Browns losing? Like, what is going on? And you don't have to be a person that know, you know, like shout out to, you know, like Jake Burns is a guy who's like super like X and O's and knows so much about football and all of it. And his podcast speaks to a very like educated football fan type of uh, type of audience. But like at the same time, you don't even have to go to like the depths of that level to just have a smarter conversation uh, with people about stuff that's going on. And you just don't have to like I, I can't stand people on Twitter that are like somewhat media personalities or just like gotten in the media and they just feel like they have to have a take. So they just tweet some wild stuff like I can't stand it. And it's like, you don't have to do this, man. You don't have to just come out here and like give some wild take, like just explain if you have a good personality and like you're smart, like just do your thing. And like people, it's going to resonate with people. I think there's so many examples of that. And so like, yeah, you hope that, um, that transition is happening and that's why places like this like blue wire and and people that have podcasts it just makes it easier because you can sort of just get on here and do that without feeling like you have to have a shtick or like you have to have some sort of i don't know yeah you have to like have some sort of character you've got to give some sort of take because like i can't it's it's just not it just sucks like it's just not good content i mean so, I don't you know. and i are both in agreement though that the browns are 100 percent making the super bowl next year that's not well, I mean, obviously, like it's I don't want to say 16 and 0 because I don't want to be arrogant should, about it. You should, but, you should um, say probably 15 yeah. 0 and 1. Yeah, yeah, yes, they will tie their first game and then they'll go on a run. They'll go 18 and 0 and make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so like I don't, you know, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I will be um wherever the Super Bowl is being hosted, I'm uh, already This team is a disease, tickets. Jordan. Um, it is man like it is but this and it's funny because it's like yeah you know so many people are just like hey man why and it's like i don't know i don't have an answer i don't have an answer for you i just am waiting for the longest payoff (laughs) in the history of waiting for a payoff so taken 30 years (laughs) like like people have lived and died before this joke is paid off yeah but it you know when it hits oh man you know that's what keeps us going so um in 2041 (laughs) when it's finally time it's gonna be great
Oh, man. It is funny, too, that, like, everyone got burned uh, by the Browns on the National, and now they come around in L.A. And they're like, man, Browns, what the fuck? It's like, yeah, dude, it's been like that every year of my life for 20 years, man. I know. This was, like, that's such a great point. Like, this was the year that, like, people were other people outside of Cleveland were finally paying attention to the Browns. You know, like, coworkers of mine, like, all these people, and they'd be like, hey, man, I, um... What happened? I'm like, if you only yeah. if you only knew. Like, oh, you know? how long do you like, have? Do you have a lifetime? Do you have a lifetime to listen yeah, to the last 20 you, years of my life? This is just this isn't yeah. even like bottom 10 years. No, man. No. I was like, oh, you think. Yeah. Do you want to sit down and have a conversation about like, I don't know, pick any a 2009 or something like, yeah, like we we got time. What do you need? I'll tell you a little story about a man named Charlie Fry. <laughs> let like, me tell you a story about a kid right. from like akron full, like nom like vets smoking heaters just like let me tell you yeah like oh, the lights man. are dimmed in your house and you're we like take Kelly a seat Holcomb really had it made yeah. well <laughs> jordan uh, uh people can find your your work on uh i believe it's the check down yes they can uh venture over to the check down they can uh venture over to my you know, I think science confirmed that it is the best Twitter account um, on the Internet at Clevesurm. So I think that's a recent award that I won. So I do think that's that actually what bio. the CDC um, was working on instead of, uh, instead yeah, of else. yeah, the yeah. No, the um, coronavirus is a is an afterthought. Um, it's really been a lot of research towards my Twitter account. So, um, yeah, so definitely follow me because that seems yeah, man, like follow, a big deal. if you're. It would be a, if somehow you are listening to this podcast and not following Jordan, God bless you. And then go follow him and uh, he'll be firing off some 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 brown takes here, I, I believe, in the some some very some brown, brown takes. takes. Yes, some I brown, a, brown I, takes. I, um, uh, Gates and I uh, used to basically just do a podcast for ourselves before we stepped in for you. And it was called the Browned Out Pod. So I did. <laughs> it's it really, really the perfect. It's, it's kind of just like the R-rated version of what the rebuild is. It's just whatever it is, whatever you name your Browns <laughs> podcast listener who's going to like take on the man now that you've been inspired by this conversation. Just name in something that's like <laughs> ambiguous and constantly happening because that's what the Browns are. Mm -hmm. They're just ambiguous and yes, constantly they happening. are. They're everywhere and you can't escape them, even though you would very much like to. All right, man. Thanks for the time. Peter, this has been wonderful. Thank you for um, continuing to hold down the fort. It's truly Listen, an honor. Dude, I feel like um, you're my dad and, uh, who went out for a pack of smokes and just like stepped back in nine months later to grab a suitcase. Mm -hmm. I had to, um, you know, to get some things figured out. Um, you know, had to drive a little bit. Uh, just, uh, but I'm back. Uh, I'm back to take care of you as my. Uh, I am your podcast, podcast child. child. We will end it on that note. Uh, <laughs> Zerm, thanks so much, dude. Peter, thanks, man.